Welcome to episode 106 of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, live from Vienna, and joining me from the slanty interview room of <laughs> Roland Garros is Courtney Nguyen in Paris. Hi, Courtney. How are you? I'm doing very well, Ben, but I presume that even though I am here at the French Open in the City of Lights, that I am not having as good a time in my life as you are currently in Vienna covering Eurovision. That's probably fair. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever have a moment in my life. I, I dream to one day be as excited about anything as you have been this week in Austria. It's been pretty cool. I will say, like, it's been a surprisingly exhausting experience because I've kind of gone all out. Like, I've been to pretty much every, I've been to all the open rehearsals, and then I bought tickets to a couple of the shows myself just so I could see, you know, from the fan side of things. Like, so for the second semifinal last night, Thursday night, I was like in the, you know, mix of people with all the flags and stuff, which was really cool. So it's been sort of, it's been a very bucket listy trip. I'm not sure it's something that I need to do every single year, but it's been very cool to do it at least once. So I'm trying to make the most of it as are all the 27 competing countries in the final. So should be good times on Saturday. Do you have plans for where you're going to watch and savor all of this? Uh, I do not quite have those plans locked down as of yet, but it's very possible that it will be just me and our good friend Petra Philipson, a German reporter, sprawled uh, on the ground watching the live stream as we were last night. So, uh, which, if that's the case, I can think of no better place to be. I, I gotta say, Petra, who I like a lot, is so good for Eurovision because she also has this incredible mean streak about her, which is so well suited. <laughs> because that's the thing that's um, really good about Eurovision is I think it's just as much fun to hate watch. Yes, it's a very good hate watch show. And as much as like, I was joking with them before we got on the call that as I've been here at the French Open kind of, you know, saying hi to all of our friends who are in media here as well. Like everybody has been asking me the first thing they're like, Ben, Eurovision, like, how is that going? Um, and everyone is like, seriously, so excited for you. And then that conversation kind of devolves into this whole discussion about Eurovision and all these people who maybe initially kind of had this very snooty, like, I can't believe he's in Austria, like doing Eurovision devolves into them getting having very strong opinions right? about not just this. <laughs> This year's Eurovision, but Eurovisions of the past, which I don't have the historical knowledge of this competition. So I just stand there and like nod as they're all making very inside Euro jokes. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. Cool. See? Yeah. Terry Wogan. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a puppet version of Terry Wogan here. Like the journalism at Eurovision, and we'll get to tennis quickly, I promise. But the journalism at Eurovision is just different. There's this one person who has like a puppet they carry around it sort of looks like terry wogan it's called something fake but like terry something else and and so the person like lies on the ground and has the puppet do the interviews with the contestants contestants are like fine with it yeah i'll talk to a puppet sure why not to be fair that happened at wimbledon with murray and that dog that's true so you know it's is it really that far removed from tennis i think not probably <laughs> there we go let's get to tennis um like in eurovision where the draw order gets a lot of talk and speculation before the final the draw in the french open got even more and i gotta say i'm sort of happy from obviously being a neutral tennis journalist which is the other thing people in eurovision are not neutral which is more fun um in tennis I'm sort of happy that Djokovic and Nadal got to be in the same quarter because it means that all of the speculation about it possibly happening wasn't totally for nothing. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you hate that, right? All of the bluster and all the speculation and then it all, you know, hap- is for naught. And, you know, you see that even today, you know, doing draw reaction pieces and people previewing the tournament. Obviously, we're talking about everything being projected and yeah. what could happen. And if, the, you know, the first or, the first three days are a complete and absolute shit, shit, shit show, uh, everything that we've written and everything that we speculate, you know, kind of goes into the bin and we start anew. But, um, but yeah, no, I am actually, I am really happy that Novak and Rafa are in the same quarter, not for the reason that you cited, but more for almost for Djokovic's sake. If he were to go through and win this French Open, his first French Open, and not have to go through Rafa, it wouldn't be fair. But what would be very natural is the response would be, well, he didn't have to beat Rafa. Same like they said you for know? Federer, yeah. Right, exactly. And and so at least in this situation, should they meet in the quarterfinals um, and should Novak win that? And he has a tough draw because after that, depending on if he's fatigued, he could play an Andy Murray or even a David Ferrer. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily easy. And then waiting on the other side, possibly a Roger Federer. I mean, I'm liking Kaini Shikori. But, um, you know, I, I think that from Novak's perspective, A, it's great that he could put together what would be a momentous and really career-defining run to capture his first French Open. But at the same time, I am worried about kind of what the energy levels will be like should that match happen um, for Novak or for Rafa um, going forward. Yeah, so let's get to the draw. Let's just sort of break it down a little bit more piece by piece. We'll start at the top with that Djokovic-Nadal section. Courtney, do you see anything standing in the way of these two meeting? Well, I mean, Rafael Nadal. I mean, it's up to him. Really, I mean, we've seen him play great tennis. We've seen him play some questionable tennis. He has a potential second-round match against either Nicolas Almagro or Alexander Dolkopolov. That's a great first-round match. So, you know, that's sitting there. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, you know, the other seeds in his section, uh, Adrian Manorino, Tommy Robredo, Grigor Dimitrov, who has a first-round match against Jack Sock. So we could see Grigor exit fairly early there. But, I mean, on the whole, no. I think that these are pretty manageable matches for yeah. Rafa. So, I, I mean, I really, and, especially, and same for Novak, his section up to the quarter. So, I mean, in terms of speculating about a quarter, that's as good of a lock of a, of a potential match as, as you're going to find. I totally agree. I think the only person, if I can see disrupting it, is, well, I guess Dimitrov. If Dimitrov gets on a roll, but like you said, Sock is a, uh, a tough customer. And I think that Nadal will be ready. I mean, he's going to be totally game-faced like we've never seen before. Yeah. For this tournament, I feel like. Almagro, Dimitrov, I both give outside, outside chances of beating him. But otherwise, no. I think it's Djokovic, Nadal, all the way. And so, I guess to move one step further, we do this by quarter. So, Courtney, who do you see coming out of the Djokovic, Nadal quarter? Ugh, come on, man. <laughs> I can't even make that call, dude. Um, not without, you know me, you know that I like to see matches. I want some data points. I want to see how Rafa's handling it. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion here today. Um, we had our full media day today on Friday with a lot of the players about the conditions of the courts. And, and Rafa said that Chatrier um, is a little bit worse than it has been in the past. Um, quite a few players have mentioned that, that it's playing a bit slower um, Andy Murray said that, and we all know that he's kind of, he's pretty fine-tuned. He's like the anti-Serena. Yeah. Serena has no idea what how a court is playing, but Andy Murray is pretty pretty, uh, pretty keen on that. So they've been saying that, it, it, that it's a slow court this year out, out on Chatrier. Um, the conditions in Paris are, are, are forecast to be pretty cool. I mean, not the hot day of the final last year, you know, that was in the 90s. So it's supposed to be around 70, 75 um, for most of the tournament. So that's not really hotting up too much. 
So we'll hotting up, you have been talking to a lot of British people. I know, I had. They're all here, <laughs> so and you know how you know they're they're all here. Today we were sitting in the press room. All of a sudden there was an announcement: Heather Watson will be in interview room two tomorrow at one thirty. It was like Heather Watson is doing a pre-French open uh, press conference. You guys, oh gosh, <laughs> but bless her, bless the Brits, love it. But yes, hotting up. I apologize. It's okay. Um, but yeah, no. So I don't really, I you know, it, it's hard to say. But I guess if I had to pick. You know, I mean, I kind of don't I have to kind of stick with Rafa here. I mean, I've kind of gone all in and said he's the favorite to win the tournament regardless. So I'm going to go with history and I'm going to say Rafa, despite the fact that all of the metrics point the other way. So but so you seem like you're hedging a little bit there. So but do you think Rafa who, do you think Rafa win this or you just want to stay loyal? I do. I mean, it, it's part of it is a loyalty issue, but a lot of it, I think, is more, you know, it's all it's all your perspective and how you see it. But for me. It, it is really hard to just discount what the guy's done in 10 years here. Yeah. And it's really hard to discount the, the difference between, and I think we mentioned this in the last episode, best of three versus best of five. And um, and I think that that does matter. I mean, only, only Soddling's been able to do it. It's a, when, you know, a brutal day, wet conditions. Rafa was marginally injured in his knees. And Saad just absolutely blasted him off the court. I think that once it gets into a bit of a grind fest, I mean, if, if Rafa can kind of impose himself a little bit, maybe take that first set, you know, and and and, and start to create some some doubt in Novak's mind, I think that you you've got yourself a match. Now, that being said, Novak could roll through it in straight sets. It's just to me, it, it's it's pretty much a coin flip that match. Um, but uh, but I am, I mean, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Rafa just based on history. I just don't think that you discount. 10 years, you know, nine of 10 years of yeah. what he's done here. And it sounds like Sharapova said something similar in press today. Yeah. 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 Maria Sharapova today said that, that based off everything that she had read, that, that she thought it was a little bit disrespectful for everyone to kind of be shading Rafa the way that they have. And, and that, uh, you know, and, and, um, you know, we've had a, a few players say that uh, Federer is obviously on team Rafa. And he said, you know, until somebody can prove otherwise, he's the guy to beat here. And if you're the guy to beat, then you're the favorite, you yeah. know, uh, effectively. So Andy Murray said that that Novak was the favorite for him, um, but that, you know, you would be, quote unquote, stupid to write off Rafa, that he could very easily, you know, play himself into form yeah. and roll through the tournament. So, you know, we all know, we all know, and even Rafa knows, he says, look, I'm coming into this tournament with a little bit less confidence than normal, which is natural because I've lost more on clay this year than, than I have in the past. But match by match take it as it goes and you know who knows seven matches later we, we don't know what's going to happen but um you know it's definitely intriguing it's exciting and and i don't know this entire draw for both the men and the women combined i think it's, it's just going to lead to some very exciting days like it's going to be like 15 straight really good days of tennis one can hope so i am picking obviously i'll pick djokovic just similar things sticking with him all the way and i think that having nadal earlier helps him because it gives Rafa a little bit less time to test himself against top players, especially if Dimitrov winds up going up early and he gets his toughest match going into the quarter against, like, Robredo, you know, then then I don't think that he'll have quite the same sharpness and the doubts won't be all as erased as possible. Um, yeah, Djokovic is, is my pick, and I do think that he's going to win the tournament, but I'm not thinking that he's going to beat Rafa 2-3-2 two, two or something. You know, I think that it'll be a pretty cool match, and I definitely... Definitely hope it happens. So, feeling pretty optimistic about that, at least. Uh, the second quarter of the draw features Andy Murray, the clay god of this year. This well, this <laughs> clay demigod because I guess Djokovic is also undefeated, but 
Murray has an awesome match yet on clay, and he's coming in here with a lot more attention than usual. Doesn't have the easiest draw in the world, though, at all, um, with possible third round against Kyrgios and fourth round against Goffin or Isner. That's not easy. Um, and then Ferrer, possibly, in the quarterfinals. Uh, do you think Andy Murray makes a second straight uh, French Open semifinal? Because I'll say first, I do not. I, think I do. Is too much. You do? I do. Yeah, I, I do side with Murray. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, I in our press room, because at the French Open, there are numerous small press rooms, and they kind of group you based on country and language. So yeah. I'm in, obviously, the English-speaking one. All the Brits are here, obviously. So I've been hearing a lot of chatter, uh, you know, uh, hand-wringing and, and, and flag-waving, uh, different takes on, on Murray's draw and, and his possibilities here. So I'm curious as to your take as to why you don't think it'll happen. I think that either... Goffin or uh, Ferrer are just going to be too much of a natural clay quarter for him to win. As, as stupid as that sounds. I know he's won a lot, but he also hasn't, with the exception of Nisha Corey, really, hasn't played any top player playing well. Not that Goffin is a top player, but I just think overall some clay fatigue and a little bit looking ahead to Wimbledon could could possibly do him in. And knowing that he and he might have a different attitude if he was on the opposite half. He's arguably the biggest one of the bigger losers in this draw being on the same half as Chokovic Rafa. I mean, because he had a really, really good chance if he was in the bottom half to make this final. And right. If, if if the Burdick and Murray seeds were switched. Exactly. So that, I think he, that would balance things out I, I think people talk about Djokovic at all, but I definitely think Murray was a loser as well. I mean I would pick if I had to name one name, I pick Ferrer to get out of this uh this quarter of the draw and to play for and to play Djokovic in the semis is my pick. I just think he's yeah. been steady and he's lost to Ferrer in Paris before. I'm not sure that I would find any reason to tip him this time because Ferrer's had a pretty solid 2015 really. Yeah. Solid 2015, not a fantastic clay season uh, for David Ferrer, but um, yeah, I mean, I still pick Murray to, to get through. I, I, I think you're right. I think that the biggest stopper, um, that's on his quarter is going to be Ferrer. Um, that's going to be the big, the big kind of high risk match. But I was, it, it was interesting what Eddie Murray said today in press because he was asked about, you know, are, are you playing? Is this the best form you've ever had on clay? And he, I was surprised that he actually said yes for some reason because I, you know, I would be kind of expecting him to say, well, I've made semifinals before. This isn't coming out of nowhere. But, but he said yes. This is as good as I've ever felt on clay. And he says that the biggest difference is he feels comfortable in his movement on clay. And he said that in the past he would play clay match on clay and the people around him, his team, his coaches, they'd be like, Oh, you look like you're moving really well. You're moving really great. But he said, but I didn't feel like I was, I felt really unnatural and I felt like I wasn't really comfortable, but this year I feel like I'm moving the, I'm moving well. I'm comfortable. My body feels good. I'm recovering between matches. So that was, that was a pretty heartening thing because I, I, I guess, I guess I needed to hear that from Murray um, to hear him admit that, yes, I do. There is something different this year. Yeah. You know, that this wasn't just like luck. Okay. Yeah. One of my clay titles came in Munich against kind of a, a mediocre field. And I played against a crappy Rafa, you know, but that he feels that there is actually something tangibly different um, about how he's, how he's playing on the surface. So that was, that was pretty heartening. Um, but yeah, no, but, but um, I see your arguments for Ferrer. I still think Murray gets through that. Um, I just haven't been entirely convinced with Ferrer's form um, during clay. But uh, but hey, that's why they play the game. That's tennis. I love that we're disagreeing <laughs> on the first two quarters. This is pretty good. This um, is good. Let's talk about the bottom half. Well, actually, let's wrap up the top half first. Sure. Semifinal, I have Djokovic, Ferrer. I'm picking Djokovic. You have 
Rafa Murray, I guess. Who mm-hmm. are you picking there? I'm picking Rafa. Unless Rafa and Novak play for four hours. Okay. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the biggest thing is like it's it's hard to say because I I do think that as we look at both the men's and women's draws, as I mentioned before, I think the issue of fatigue over the course of it is going to play a big um, role over the course of two weeks. So it really, I am looking a lot at the first week and looking at energy management and things like that. So if Murray and if, if Rafa and uh, Novak go into like some crazy match, and um, I think that that plays into my pick, but um, I think I would still have to go top half and, and pick Rafa because once again, you know, if I if I'm not picking Novak to beat Rafa, how can I possibly pick Andy I was to beat say. Rafa? You know, so. Having Rafa losing to Novak and then sorry, Rafa beating Novak and then losing to Andy Murray would be the ultimate like troll of Novak Djokovic possible. Oh, so much, so much. So, bottom possible. bottom <laughs> half, bottom half. The third quarter of the draw features Kay Nishikori and Thomas Burdich. Burdich is five. Nishikori is four in the seedings. Um, couple other relevantish names floating around in here, especially Fanini, who was the one who Rafa avoided in the third round. That was sort of a circled name. Songa's in here. Um, Verdasco. Not not a really, actually a really, really soft quarter, I think. Super soft. When you, when you come right down to it. Um, my one sleeper in this quarter, but his draw didn't work out for being in this quarter, is Bellucci, who's had a, quietly a really, really good clay season. But he gets Nishikori's second round. So I think that's probably too early for him to do anything. But I would put that as a little bit of an upset watch, possibly for Kay. Um, but if Kay gets by Bellucci, I think he totally walks this quarter. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that this is a this is definitely a Nishikori quarter. I mean, you know, Burdick could do something, but he could also lose and you know lose early to Fonini. That's obvious. That's a, that's a possibility. Yeah. Um. And with Burdick, it's kind of the same thing, you know. As it's like the opposite of the Rafa. Well, the same concept as Rafa, which is like, dude, you got to prove it before I start backing you, you know, because I've watched you on clay and throughout this entire year, just play, play, play well, play well, play well, walk around with some swagger, chest pumped out, thinking that this is gonna be the one. Still zero titles this year for the most consistent player outside of Novak Djokovic um, yeah. this season. So that's pretty disappointing stuff from from Thomas Burdick. So I don't, I, I'm happy to see him prove me otherwise. But um, but yeah, I see I see this as a Nishikori semi. When you put together the number of quarters since winning Bercy back really really early in his career, when you put together the number of quarters and semifinals that Burdick has made at Masters and even Slams without a title, it's staggering. Yeah, I mean it really is. So in terms of one to bank on, Burdich is the opposite of that. So we agree on Nishikori. Yeah, I, and I, I agree. Fanini, Fanini, Burdich could be a really good third round match. And so, and I wouldn't totally discount Fanini as a possible semifinalist. I mean, this draw, he has to be really happy with. So we we can see. Uh, bottom quarter, the Swiss quarter, with Vavrinka and Federer. Also some French guys taking up the next two seeds with Monfils and Simon. Roger Federer has to be considered, I think, a pretty big winner in this yep. draw. Um, but like, there's no way around it. He's a huge there's winner. None. There's no way like, around it. Anybody who wants to even try and say, like, how dare you say that Federer has a cakewalk draw, you are officially, like, no longer operating on any plane of logic. You know who has the cakiest draw, though, in this section? It's Ernest Gulbis. Because Ernest yeah. Gulbis actually should be a considerable favorite to win two matches at the French Open, which who would have thought that'd be possible? But he gets a, <laughs> he gets a qualifier and then Mahout or qualifier, which is dream beyond dream opening draw. And then Simone, who's never been that great at Roland Garros. 
Yeah. Um, and then Vavrenka, who he can lose to with dignity. So all in all, or Garcia Lopez, I guess, who beat Vavrenka last year in the first round, possible third round there. Um, so Golbus is happy. My pick, actually, though, is Gail Malfis to make it out of this quarter. I, I'm picking a Malfis Nishikori semi. Wow. And spoiler you, yeah. spoiler alert going ahead. I'm just, I don't know if I'm drunk on Eurovision fumes or what, but I'm going to pick Malfis to the final. I think it's an un unreal opportunity for him with this draw hasn't been awful but obviously pulling in and out of, mat- of tournaments with injury constantly but in Paris he's almost always delivered and I really really like how this fell for him and I've always thought he had it in him having one huge French run so I'm going to pull the trigger on this year how, who, who are you liking this quarter Courtney I assume you weren't uh, thinking all these no I, I wasn't not thinking Malfis. I mean I in my write-up I said you know this is obviously a very easy or not easy, but a pretty nice draw for Roger Federer. The only block to him making the semis, in my opinion, is Malfis. Yeah. Uh, two straight wins over him on clay at the Davis Cup final last year, and then earlier this year in Monte Carlo. Um, and Malfis is going to come in rested, and yeah, he always is able to deliver, um, uh, you know, at Roland Garros. So I don't think that's a bad call at all. Um, I still have, I think, Federer to the semis. Okay. But that 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 that, that I mean, I'm not going to go out on the limb, but I like I will defend your limb sitting. Thank you for Thank for Gael Malfis. Thank you very much for sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, in that way, I think the bottom half is pretty interesting, just because like I mean, you do have an opportunity of of some some you know Nisha Corey getting through, a Malfis getting through, uh, even Federer. I mean, that would be I mean great for the tournament yeah. if he gets through, um, just in terms of publicity and all that sort of stuff. So um, so very very interesting. Um, but I I do have Nisha Corey into the final. All right, and so you're fi- I'm picking. Djokovic over Malfis in my final. And Courtney, you have Nadal and Nishikori. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with Nadal. All right. Going 10. I again, I, you know, if he's not going to beat Novak, if he's not going to lose to Novak, I, I can't really pick him to lose to anybody else. But again, f- fatigue issues, all that sort of stuff, um, you know, that, that could play into it. And, and Rafa, outside of Madrid, hasn't played through to the final of a tournament since, what, uh, he won Buenos Aires? Uh, that is correct, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we do have to think about it that way as well. Best of five, seven matches over two weeks. Obviously, he gets the time to, to rest in between. But but you, you hear this a lot with a lot of the players. I mean, maybe a little bit more on the women's side than the men. But the, the logic still comes through that, like, yeah, I mean, th- those matches just take a toll on your body. And you get yourselves into the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. And, and you may not have the full tank that you might have wanted from before. And if you haven't played that many matches and by that many matches i mean not just like a number of matches over a number of weeks but like that many matches in a single week um you know you can go into those late rounds maybe not as match fit as you would have liked yeah definitely so all in all a really exceptionally fun draw i feel like i'm just happy with how this men's draw worked out i think it's gonna be a really 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 good tournament and i can't wait for it to get started on sunday even though tournaments shouldn't start on sunday but, you know, I know. Anyway, well, what can you do? Ladies, draw starts off with a ridiculous first sixteenth of the draw with Serena Williams top seed getting uh, easy first two matches qualifier, then freed summer qualifier. So that no complaints there. But then she gets Azarenka and then possibly her sister or Sloane Stevens in the fourth round or or Beezus. But Beezus has never been at her best on clay. Um, do you think Serena, let's put it this way, do you think Serena makes it to the quarters? Uh, 
Oh, to the quarters. Um, I think she makes it to the quarters. Okay. Um, I do think, well, you know, gosh, that Azarenka match is a tough one to call. Now, the thing, the thing with the Azarenka match, Azarenka opening against Tita Toro, um, and then could get a second round match against Lucy Redetch. And that was a mess in Rome, that match. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that Azarenka even makes it to the third round to make sure that match happens. Talk about people and, who've had an incredible year. Redetchka's had an incredible oh, year. such a sleeper, incredible year. Yeah. Um, so, and you know she'll get up to, to try and beat Vika. So I, I'm not, the thing is, is that if the Azarenka-Serena match happens, gosh, that's a good question whether or not Serena makes it to the quarters. But if it doesn't happen, I think that Serena will make the quarters. I'm not exactly worried about Venus or Sloan beating her um, before then. Yeah, so, I agree. But, it, I'm, I'm but, it's, about, but it's a tough call. Yeah, I'm not worried about Venus or Sloan either, but I do think that match will be fascinating, the Venus-Sloan match. Um, and I, in that match, would pick Sloan. They, they, I would too. These two have never played, I don't think. And it's been a sort of a long time coming with all the focus on the Serena Sloan rivalry, quote unquote, over the past, uh, you know, two, three years. And there was a definite, you know, high, high tension, real rivalry in 2013 at the very least. Um, yeah, these uh, these two have not played. And what's, what's Venus, what, sorry, what Sloan has done against other um, Americans, namely Coco and Madison this year, has impressed me. And I just think she's going to be on clay, the steadier of the two. And Venus, in her last match against Halep, just got absolutely rocked in Rome. Yeah. And, I, and I think Venus should, like I said before in the podcast, I think Venus should have skipped the clay season altogether and just really, really focused on grass. And I think with this tough first round, obviously she's going to hate to lose to Sloan. So that's, she's going to want to win this match. And then maybe she'll lose to Heather Watson or something in the second round. But... I think she's got to have one foot on the lawns already and be thinking about that. And so Sloan, I think, is a steadier pick here, but it's going to be an absolute popcorn match. And I'm oh, for sure. Especially because, I mean, as much as we talk about the edge between, you know, the Serena Sloan uh, rivalry back in the day, um, you know, there's even though they haven't played, there's a little bit of edge as well. Oh, sure. Um, in in the Sloan Venus uh, relationship, um, I mean, you know, a lot of Sloan's comments that were in that Rolling Stone article, or not Rolling Stone, ESPNW article, were kind of directed at both of them. Mm-hmm. Some was was it that one or the Rolling Stone? There was no Rolling Stone. Which one was it? There was no Rolling it? Stone article. There, it wasn't a Rolling Stone, but there was a second article after the ESPNW article. Maybe I'm making that up. There, but... were, there were a few articles that came out that time. There was like a Boston Globe Oh, one. Boston. I'm thinking the Boston one. Okay. Yes. Uh, where, you know, she yeah. kind of talks about how they didn't, you know, Kim Kleisters was her favorite player because the Williamses never stopped and signed autographs. Um, and then I remember that one year in Charleston uh, when a lot of this kind of stuff was kind of bubbling um, between Serena and Sloan, uh, I remember asking Venus in press conference, you know, what advice do you have for remember, like, the yeah. younger generation of Americans? And Venus gave a very pointed answer to the point where the minute that she was done, I think a lot of us turned to each other and were like, wow, there's no question as to who that the who those comments were directed at. Yeah. Um, just a, a lot about like taking ownership of your career and making no excuses and things like that. So so that's definitely like an interesting first round match. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, Sloan today, I don't know if you saw, got bageled in the third set by Sam Sozer in the semifinals yeah. of Strasbourg. One set um, from her first WTA final would have been a big, big milestone. It yeah, was totally it right there been. for her. It was. so. Um, but anyways, getting back to Serena. Um, yeah, the, the Serena Vika third rounder, if that happens, I think that's absolutely massive. Um, and interestingly today, Serena did say that um, she's still feeling pain in her elbow. 
and that okay. she's only just started to kind of um, serve as well as she would like to serve. So Serena without her serve on clay, I think, is a is a big problem, especially against Nazarenka, which is basically what happened when they played in Madrid or Rome, Madrid, Rome. Uh, Madrid with Azarenka. Yeah. Okay, Madrid. Okay, um, where Serena wasn't serving that great, and Vika really was able to take advantage. Um, but uh, yeah, so so that that's that's the real key match, I think, to almost this entire top half for me. Although if Serena does make it to the corner, she could play Wozniacki. Yeah, I think that's massive. I think that that's a really great opportunity for Caroline, who, as great and as revelatory as she was in Stuttgart. Hasn't played at the same level since. Nope. I haven't seen that level of aggression. Maybe she should have um, paid Arancha. I know. Maybe Arancha knew some things. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's going to be a pretty interesting quarterfinal there. And then potential semifinal against Petra Kvitova. That's not even something that we should even be talking about because Petra going to Petra. Yeah. And who knows what Petra's going to do. But I think that Petra Kvitova was a winner with respect to the draw today. Um, really nice little quarter for her. Um, the matchups, I think, work really well for her. It's not going to be too many players that she should have too much of a problem with. I mean, Begu could be tricky. Um, she might run into Pachinski. That will obviously be massive. Um, Madison Keys is in that section as well, along with Petra, but we just don't know kind of where Keys is at. I she opens say- against Lepchenko, which... Those are matches that she could tend to lose. Yeah, I will say with, um, on Keys, I talked to her in in, uh, in Rome, and she was just really, and she had just lost a tough match to Jovanovski. Um, and she was really, really down on herself in terms of her clay form. Yeah. And just says, said bluntly that the Charleston green clay success meant nothing in yeah. Europe. And yeah. so if that sort of doubts are there, yeah, I don't see Keys. If Keys gets it to the third round with Bachinski, I do not see her beating Bachinski, no way. No no, I mean, Madison would have to be do like basically what she did in uh, Australian Open, which is like kind of arrive with a form that no one saw coming. Yeah. You know, and really kind of go against the grain of, of what it, where she's trending at the moment. So and like, I, and, I think and like with Venus, she has I think she has one foot on the grass already. I really yeah. do. Yeah. So uh, I think that there was hope when when we were in Charleston that maybe Madison was gonna turn it around and, and she had that you know nice run to the quarters in in Strasbourg but um really kind of lucked out there uh so yeah I I, I see that, you know that's that's Petra's quarter uh Kuznetsova Pliskova maybe but those are the three names that I'm looking at there yeah um let's just wrap up this sort of second quarter and then we'll do the sort of top half projections all told um the other name we haven't mentioned in here at all at the bottom of the second quarter is Bouchard um who has to like her draw quite a bit I would think um, Moldenovich, who's played decently first, but still is going to be pretty erratic. Um, and then, you know, Kovinich, Kukalova, that's not bad. Serena Diaz this is the one player she's beaten recently. So that's nice as a seed to get. Um, and then Kuznetsova possibly in the fourth round, or Pliskova. Um, Pliskova-Bouchard match, we haven't seen many of those. That'd be a, a good junior Z type thing to renew. And so I think Jeannie can't be too upset either, assuming she is back on track, which I think it's fair to say she is after she had match point against uh, Suarez Navarro, eventual finalist in Rome. I think Jeannie is, has pulled at least slightly out of her tailspin, to put it that way. And there definitely was a tailspin for a while. Um, maybe she's not gaining altitude quickly, but I don't think she's going to crash and burn in the first round. Um, I don't know. I mean, Mladenovich, I mean, she has an opportunity to make a final this weekend playing pretty good ball um, in, what is it, it's either Strasbourg or Nuremberg. Um, and, uh, you know, knocked out Lina last year yeah. here in Paris. Uh, you know, wants that stage, wants that kind of to show 
her home crowd, what she could do. I think that that's kind of the perfect opportunity for Mladenovic to pull off yet another, I mean, seed-wise, pretty massive upset um, in the first round. So so I don't think that's easy. But if, if Jeannie gets through there, yeah, for sure. This is a really nice opportunity for her to make, you know, the fourth round. And if she makes the fourth round, if she doesn't get any further than that, that's still a, a pretty good positive result given how terrible it's been since the Australian Open for her. Um, so that would be massive. And if she can make the quarters, who knows? Yeah, definitely. So, Courtney, what do you see happening in the top half of the draw? Um, I think that, honestly, I think that whoever wins that potential Serena Vika match, if it happens, makes it through um, to the quarters at a minimum, if not the semis. Um, you know, Azarenka has absolutely owned Caroline Wozniacki, who would, who's likely to make it through um, that other uh, little eighth um, into the quarterfinals. So I like either Serena or Azarenka in that match, although Serena was maybe, maybe, maybe it flows the other way. Not entirely sure. Uh, the winner of that, I'm going to go again. It just depends. I mean, I guess if I had, if I had to just take a pick, I'll go out on the limb and I'll say Azarenka into the semis. Okay. Or sorry, into the quarters. What? Semis. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm getting really confused. Um, into the semis, and then the bottom, I would probably go Kvitova, Kuznetsova into the quarters. Okay. Um, and gosh, who knows whenever those two play. <laughs> um, there will be blood. Although it was not um, close in Madrid when they played. It was not. That's very true. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go at that stage in the quarterfinals. I'm going to go Petra. Okay. So then you have a Petra Vika semi. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. I think that in that in that matchup at that stage, you know what? I think I'm still going to go Petra. Okay. I think that again with Petra, so much of it has to do with 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 energy management. I, you know, if she gets through the first week, straight sets, not too much drama, then she's in a good spot. And we know her. Once she gets a full head of ste- head of steam, she's pretty unstoppable. So um, as with uh, as opposed to Azarenka, who really hasn't played a lot of tournaments again getting back to what i was saying before about rafael nadal although it's even worse for azarenka she hasn't played a lot of tournaments where she plays a lot of matches so physically i do have questions about her resiliency over the course of a two-week slam so i don't think that she's there quite yet to like make a final or even make a semi totally totally down with that yeah reasoning this is yeah this first part is so tough like here's the thing i do not think serena williams it's going to win the French Open. But I'm also having a tough time identifying who beats her. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I want to get rid... I just think... That, I mean, like, the main stat that I sort of focus on with Serena is that she's only made the semis once in the last 12 years at the French Open. And that was the year she won in 2013. Or, sorry, yeah, since uh, losing that 03 semi to Justine. Just that one trip to the semifinal since. And with all the elbow problems, with the general sort of static on the signal with Serena, I just don't think that she's a sound pick to make it to the final but who's gonna beat her i mean i'm not really sure um i guess if i had to oh, i don't think she's gonna lose to sloan i mean azarenka maybe but i don't know that azarenka has that deeper run in her with how shaky her year has been overall um so i'm gonna caroline make... caroline i know i don't think caroline's the person either so i'm gonna go way out... well this whole the second the second sixteenth <laughs> is also a mess because like I could totally see Caroline 
losing to Yankovic, who then loses to, like, Irani, who beat Pekovic or something, and have Irani in the quarter. Then Serena totally beats Irani if Serena makes it that far. So I don't know, you guys, but <laughs> I will... Uh, sh- yeah. Um, uh, okay, I'm going to pick... Just and This is not what I really think will happen, just on pure percentages. Bear with me now. I think Serena beats... Radechka to make the third, make the fourth round, then beat Sloan, then loses to Pekovic in the semis. In, really, or, Pekovic in the quarters, is injured. In the quarters. Pekovic is injured and not playing that great. But I don't know. I think and all the Germans together. are like, we don't even know if she's going to play. Okay, well, if Pekovic plays, asterisk. If she withdraws pre-tournament, then obviously this pick is null and void. And I'll say it instead she loses to Yankovic in the quarters. I just got to get rid of Serena somewhere. I'm not sure where. Like I said, no confidence in this. I just don't think she's going to make it. Um, and then, so either Yankovic or Pekovic, let's say, beats Serena in the quarters. And then that person loses in the semis to to Vichinsky. Tamea Vachinsky, Roland Garros finalist. Who beats Kvitova. You are and, bold, my friend. And then, <laughs> and then um, uh, Bouchard in the corner. <laughs> you're, just, you're just screaming out random names. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You Basically, that's a long way of saying I have no fucking clue. Yeah, seriously, the, it, it's it's a complete. This is the thing: is like there's so many moving parts, there's so many caveats, there's so many matchup issues. It's also WTA. It's not, this happens. Like, I know, like it's just a complete cluster. I mean, and this is like you've heard Ben and I sit here hemming and hawing and sounding like we're doing this like we've never seen the draw before. Like I've sat with this draw for like six hours now, and I still I, I'm at a complete loss with respect to the the top half of the women. Yeah. Um, just but I, I I get the same sense that you do, Ben, which is. You know, we talk a lot about in past Grand Slams about it's Serena versus the field. Yeah. Who do you pick? And in this situation, I think that many people are picking the field. You gotta pick so the it's field. not about, yeah, it's not about specifics. It's just about, you know, she's come and she's not 100%. She hasn't had the greatest of lead ups. Is it's a tournament she doesn't play well in historically? Um, she's as vulnerable as ever. She's got an incredibly difficult draw with landmine after landmine after landmine of a bunch of players who, if they play well, can beat her in her current state. Yeah. And then you do that and you go and you back up match to, you know, back to back matches and you say, can Serena at 33 years old, you know, have that physical resiliency to bounce back? You know, after what could be pretty draining three set matches with, in some of these situations. And with situations. an admitted injury. Yeah, you know, so that's where a lot of the question marks come through. Now, it's Serena. She could bla- surprise us all. She could be totally doing a rope a dope and it's like, haha, elbow not, you know, step out on court and fire 126. Yeah, and she and could, like, and she could okay. win the title without dropping a set. Right. These are all possible. That's just her quality. Serena. Yeah, but I think that. You know, again, I think that it, it feels like the field. It feels like the field is going to nip her. Yeah. Here's, I mean, to, spoiler alert for the bottom half. I have I have Sharapova beating Bachinsky in this final. But I think 100% if it's a Sharapova-Serena final, obviously Serena kills Sharapova. This is exactly right. the same thing that I said. This is actually exactly my prediction, what it was in Australia this year when Serena had all those struggles at Hopman and looked a mess and then pulled through. So yep. she's proven me wrong before. I'm aware of that. Uh, she's very likely to do it again. I'm aware of that too. But overall, I just can't feel confident picking Serena as 
the likely person to win this year. I just don't don't feel it. Um, even though there's no one match in which I make her an underdog, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, it, it weirdly does. All right, so let's move. And to, you yeah. know, and that analysis is a tribute to Serena. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and her entire career. You know what I mean? Like it's just like we don't know because we just we. It's you. You're so good, and yet we know we the the numbers say what the numbers say when you come to Paris. Yeah. So. What are we supposed to do? How do we reconcile those two things? Uh, very delicately. Very delicately, indeed. Let's move on to the bottom half, which I don't think is as problematic, I think. Um, I say before diving into it too deep. Uh, first, the third quarter of the draw, top one of the bottom half, has Ivanovich and Halep. And I bluntly think this is a dream draw for Halep. I think Halep yep. has nobody. I guess she did lose to Cornet. Somewhere and she lost in, to Lucic Baroni in the U.S. Open as well. Right, so. but, I don't, but Lucic just was such so, so a disaster losing that match to Madison Keys up 5-0 <laughs> in the second and lost it in three. Um, yeah, I think that I have Halep safely cruising to the semifinals. Yeah, this is this is the 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 Kaney Shikori draw. Yeah, you know, so she got you know, I mean, there who isn't slumping. That's in her of the seeds in her section. Anna Ivanovic, Caroline Garcia hasn't played as great as we yeah. probably expected her to. I think Cargar beats. I think Cargar beats Ivanovic though. Sure, obviously. Yeah. The, again, the numbers say one thing. You can't can't really bet against it. Peng Shui slumping. Makarova has been absolute crap since the Australian Open. Redvanska, let's not even talk about that. Svitolina is the strongest yeah. of all of these seeds. And then you have Cornet, who hasn't been playing at the level that she played last year. So those are the seeds in Halep section. This would be incredibly disappointing, I think, if Simona Halep doesn't make the semifinals. That- Post After that, who knows? But semis, I mean, if she doesn't make it through, that that's pretty that's pretty rough. That Ivanovic-Makarova section, ironically, because it has two single-digit seeds in it, is the weakest 16th. In the, in the history of tennis. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not saying that, but it's <laughs> okay. Open damn, era. Sorry. <laughs> pretty damn weak draw. Um, so I, I wish that like a Svitolina was in that section because she could yeah. totally make quarters. But uh, Svitolina could make the semis here. You think Svitolina could be a Halep? Sure. Okay. I mean, why? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, in, in, in a match like that, like, why not? Like, that's the toughest match I think that could happen in this section. Um, and Svitolina is playing full of confidence. We know that she's quality, you know, like she's, sta- you know, she's just good and solid. Um, obviously so is Halep. But Halep plays with a little bit more pressure this time. Yeah, but we know that obviously Halep is good as well, but confidence not as high as it's been before. So, um, yeah, maybe that Halep Svitolina match could, could do something, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, we'll see that. Yeah. So I will pick Halep through his semis next quarter of the draw is really tough. Uh, Carla Suarez Navarro and Maria Sharapova, which was the Rome final and a pretty darn good one, both in there, along with Angelique Kerber, the Stuttgart champion, and Charleston champion, Muguruza, a very solid clay court player, hasn't had a great clay court season at all, made quarters last year, Lucy Safarova, a very legit number 13 seed, Sam Stoser into the Strasbourg final, um, and a good clay player, Lasicki's had a pretty darn good 2015 as well, Panetta's never one to totally discount, a lot of, lot of real real names in this section yeah no i think it's i think it's an incredibly tough section um i definitely put sharapova on like my draw losers 
list oh, totally. opening opening against Kanepi, possible Stozer there. Um, Safarova always tough. Lasicki can get hot out of, for no good reason. Um, Muguruza and Kerber, I think both those two players are struggling, so I'm not really looking for them to do too much here. Kerber pulling out of Strasbourg today with a back or Nuremberg with a back injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so some doubts over the German the German ladies. Um, here in Paris. I think that's a classic uh, pre-slam pull, I thought. I wouldn't put too much... It is, yeah, much. yeah, but, you know, on home soil with Kerber, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that potential quarterfinal with Carlos Suarez Navarro, that could be pretty massive. Yeah. I, I think that's definitely one that you circle. I agree. I think I have Kerber getting to the fourth round, losing to Carla, and I'll take Sharapova beating uh, Stoser. People forget the Stoser match last year for her was as tough as any of them, pretty much. Yep. I mean, that she was, was the first of, that was match. the first of, yeah, the first of that string of um, ridiculous three setters yeah. that she pulled off. It was uh, Stoser up, and then Muguruza and then uh, Bouchard. I think it wound up being um, a bagel in the third, but it was a tough bagel. Yeah. Really, yeah. really stale, hard bagel. Um, <laughs> so I will, I will pick Sharapova to get through. I think unlike Serena, Cherpova has a pretty clean arrival. I mean, you see what she did in Rome, and it was con- for me it was convincing, especially the yeah. match she had in Rome against Azarenka. Um, Carla, she wasn't great against, but Carla played really well in the first half of that match, um, and Cherpova just sort of weathered the storm. Uh, I have Cherpova uh, winning the tournament, so thereby making the semis and final as well. And God, I don't know what I'm th- and and I guess beating Halop in the semi. So that's how I have my bottom half playing out. Courtney, how about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. I have Sharapova going through, beating Halep, making the final, and then winning uh, because I assume that Serena Williams will not be there on that final Saturday. Um, so that's that's basically it. I thought that Sharapova had some pretty interesting comments today uh, in her pre-tournament press. And um, I think the most int- – I mean, I just thought it was – she's always a good an- analyst when it comes to her own game. And uh, so I asked her, you know, how do you kind of rate your pre-tournament prep because you know in years past it's been a sustained level of really top quality tennis from Stuttgart through Rome um and this year obviously you know very very different because of her leg injury and she said you know what was really great was that you know by the time that I was standing there winning the trophy in Rome I knew that I was able to do something that I wasn't able to do three weeks ago in Stuttgart which is physically get through a tournament and show that I was, you know, she was like that I was standing there as the fresher person um, than on that final day was was really what proved a lot to me. So so I think that that's the thing for Sharapova and a lot of players is that if, when you believe in your physicality, and that's how she got through last year. Yeah. You know, when you believe in your physicality, when you truly believe no one has worked as hard as I have to um, put myself in a position to win, um, that makes a difference on those big moments sometimes, you know. Um, and I think that she has a little bit, you know, now she has that swagger back. She has that belief, she has that understanding, you know, in questions about the concept of Clay Pova. She said, look, I'm as surprised as you guys are, um, that, that I'm able to do what I'm, I'm, I now do on this surface. Um, but, uh, but I think that she looks good. I think that that first match against Kanepi could be dicey. Now, Kinepi, but, who um, knows with Kanepi? She's like yeah, the ultimate wild card. Exactly. So, but when she gets through there, you know, I, I, it's not going to be easy. But, um, but I just, I, yeah, I've liked what I've seen from her over the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to give, I can't go without mentioning the matchup that I think will be amazing in the first round of this section of the bottom half. 
which is Krunich Putinseva. Oh, of course. Oh my gosh. Such, that's the hipster that's the hipster dream. Just joy. I will also honorable mention in that category to Puig Lisicki. I cannot imagine it will be a drama free match <laughs> in the first round drums. either. So all of that could be really good. I mean, I think Beck versus Red Monska could also be a complete mess in a good way. There's a bunch of it'll be it'll be a fun tournament. I really do think so. And I think and also early upset pick could just say it. I totally think Shvedova can beat Ivanovich first round. Oh, for totally. sure. Or totally. Czech, or Tchaikovsky. Who knows with Tchaikovsky ever? Uh, so yeah, fun tournament all in all, and we'll have fun bringing it to you guys. Uh, so thank you guys very much for listening to our draw preview show. So you notice this show is not on a Tuesday, and probably during this Grand Slam and also looking ahead to Wimbledon, we'll probably also be deviating a little bit from our every Tuesday schedule just because that's what works easier in the rhythms of a slam can't tell you when exactly we're going to have show or shows during the french open but we'll have at least one for you midterm we won't leave you totally hanging because like we said in these previews a lot is going to change midway through these tournaments and we could rip this one up and throw it away pretty quickly but we hope that you enjoyed listening to it all the same and if you want to follow along with us when you're not listening you can do so by following us on twitter ncr underscore tennis is our handle there you can also like us on facebook facebook.com slash ncr podcast you can also subscribe to the show on itunes get new episodes delivered automatically there and on whatever your rss podcasting platform of choice is you can also leave us reviews on itunes we think those are neato and we appreciate them and if you have questions for an upcoming episode as the tournament rolls along or for between slams more likely we'll probably get to them you can send those to us at no challenge remaining at gmail.com is our email address for that Courtney, I'll let you go first in our brief rant rave to wrap up this episode. Cool. Well, I have a rant and a rave, and they're going to be really quick. Okay. So the first one is a rave, um, and this is totally an inside media thing, but I was impressed, and so I just had to share. Um, At the French Open, in a lot of tournaments, you get like a media gift packet when you come, and it varies what it is. Like at the Australian Open, you always get a towel. Um, at, the, at Wimbledon, you always get a computer bag, which is weird because I'm like, why do I now have like five computer bags? Who goes through a computer bag a year? Yeah. That makes, doesn't make sense. I get Anyways. those at Wimbledon. I just started gifting them. Yeah, that makes sense. I should do that because they just they take up room. Um, at the um, U.S. Open, there's always, I think, shirts or jack or hoodies or something. Yeah. And the French Open, it's normally a T-shirt. And maybe they've been doing this for a while. I don't know. But this is the first time that I've noticed it. But this year at the French Open, they actually have offered the T-shirt in women's sizes, which is massive. I mean, because ladies, you know, you go and you get like free T-shirts. Like if you go to like an NBA game or an NFL game and they're they're giving away free T-shirts, they're always like men's larges or men's extra larges or whatever. And it doesn't do us any good except we now have a new sleep shirt. So, um, yes, props to the French Open for actually providing women's sizes. Um, The only tournament that I've seen do that, I appreciate it in a massive way. And I think it's very cool. So that's my rave. Um, my rant on my flight over, I flew through Mexico city, which was kind of weird, but it actually worked out. Okay. Because flying through the Mexico city airport is bonkers because you actually have to go through both customs and immigration to transfer mm-hmm. onto a connecting flight, which is just a headache. Yeah, I hate when that happens. But then I got to take like a dreamliner over here Ooh. and it was like the nicest plane ever. So that was pretty sweet. But um, I watched two movies. I watched American Sniper, which I hadn't seen, and I watched um, The Kingsman. The Kingsman was fine. I don't don't know The Kingsman. I don't think I've heard of that. It's like basically like 
not British Avengers because it's not that, but it's like a it's like a British comic book kind okay. of movie, and it's good and it was fine. I thought that it was very they were all very good. It was okay, um, entertained, but then American Sniper was like terrible. And I don't mean that terrible, like as in like a, it's just a shitty movie because obviously that's not true. It's incredibly well acted, well directed, um, you know, well made. So, but I just mean like on for as much hype and as much um, as many awards as that movie got and as many as like best 10 lists and stuff that it got last year, it sucked. Like it didn't do anything for me whatsoever it was like you watched it and it was like war is hard and it's like yeah dude we know like there have been many movies that have been made about this and this movie didn't do anything to like move that ball forward in any way shape or form so i was really annoyed because it was like two hours of my life i really should have been spent spending sleeping or reading or just doing anything other than that yeah um so yeah i was really annoyed by american sniper um ugh. <laughs> I appreciate that noise finish to any rant whatsoever. <laughs> I'm going to keep mine really, really short. Um, obviously, I have to do a Eurovision rant because I'm here. And my rant will just briefly be, why the hell is Eurovision not on American TV? Australia is a guest representative, guest contestant in this year's show because it's been showing Eurovision for like 35 plus years on TV. And they 60th anniversary like invited them to play along. So everything is like, good night, Europe and Australia. <laughs> They're so proud of themselves. I think it's so cute they have Australia here, which is fine. Um, but like the U.S. has 300 TV channels. Surely one can find Eurovision at home for like nine hours total in the afternoon. Not hard. Not hard. And people will hate watch it if nothing else. It'll get decent numbers. So that's briefly it. I wish that it found a home. Maybe that'll be my life's work to get Eurovision on American TV. Could, You're doing I, a very good job. If this if your life's work <laughs> is this the legacy of Eurovision in America, you are you are talk about moving the ball forward. Well thank you. Nice. I try. I try. I try to do nice things with the ball. Um, yeah, the Eurovision, speaking of gift bags, the Eurovision <laughs> swag situation is kind of ridiculous. I, I don't even, I don't even remember, but it's like, it's like a, like a 15 pound bag of, of crap, oh, Jesus. of like crap they give you. Like all these, like, there's like two different kinds of sausage in it from various, <laughs> from various Viennese sausage makers and other, other things. So you don't go hungry at Eurovision, I guess, although it's full schedule. So it's hard to find time to eat as well. Um, Is it Conchita Worst Worst? No, but it did. You know, her father, yeah, I think, was like I a know. sausage maker. They did make that at some point, but I think she okay. she did that. And I think she also semi-dropped the worst because she's the best, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll leave it with that. I hope everybody enjoys the French Open and Eurovision on Saturday night, Saturday afternoon in the U.S., streaming on YouTube and everywhere. Follow me on Twitter. And thank you to those of you who have not unfollowed me this week. I've been probably – I've probably lost about like, eh. 40, 50 followers this week, which is better than I expected. So pretty happy with everything. Just mute Eurovision if you don't want it, but you should want it because it's awesome. Uh, the French Open will be awesome as well, and we'll see you guys there. Uh, au revoir, Courtney. Goodbye. I'm not even going to try and say au revoir again. <laughs> it wasn't great the first time, so yeah, I know. probably so, a smart call. Thanks. Adios. Late. I can say, yes, I